0: hey school success makers welcome to another edition of the school success podcast i'm your host mitchell slater and i'm joined by a new friend out of hot austin texas chuck evans and he is the founder and senior partner of better schools llc he's been doing that for a while and he's gonna share all the great things that he has done to help schools and how schools can be better. So I'm excited for you guys to hear this episode today. But before we jump into that and I pass it off to him, I do want to highlight our amazing sponsors over at America's Christian Credit Union. You guys have heard this spiel before. They're amazing, but they have This year, been celebrating 65 years of service, and they have doing some amazing things in the education space. And one of those specifically is providing essential school banking services and a tuition financing program for schools who are looking to reduce their risk and administrative burden. So the short of it is this, guys, if you are a Christian school who has parents paying you, which I'm assuming you do, and you have a hard time collecting all of the funds, or you're having to chase families all year round to try and get those funds, they take that off of your plate those families can go get a tuition financing loan from the bank and then they can pay the credit union every month like they would just a regular loan. But you as a school would get your money up front so you don't have to worry about chasing people all year round and you can put more of your time, money and resources into your students that are under your care. It's an amazing resource and it doesn't cost your school anything. So go check them out online, americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. That's americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. All right, y'all, it's time to jump into today's episode. So I'm actually going to pass it off to Chuck to introduce himself. So Chuck, welcome to the podcast today, sir.
1: Thanks, Mitchell. It's great to be here with you. Our group is called Better Schools LLC. We were founded in 2011. Prior to that, I was an executive consultant and scholar at large with Idea Incorporated based in Stony Brook, New York, working with my good friend and mentor, D. Bruce Lockerby. And prior to that, I was the head of school and leading schools in Virginia, North Carolina, and then here in Austin, Texas.
0: Love it, man. Well, as we dive into the the nitty gritty of the content, I guess before we do that, I always ask the same question. If I was to visit Austin, Texas and to come see you, what would you say, Mitchell, you gotta do this to enjoy the full Austin experience? Tacos. All right. We're here. at tacos.
1: <laughs> it's just just about any place we've got. You know, we've got some some great Tex-Mex restaurants down here. Some of which have have you know developed into national chains like Chewy's, and but it's still just as as good as ever. Matis is 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 another favorite. But there's just you know tons of tons of great Tex-Mex plus interior Mexican food. Everybody's got tacos, of course, and breakfast tacos. You know, you, you can't pass them up.
0: Love it. I, I've only been to Austin once and it was beautiful. Just like what I, what I saw and I love the rolling, kind of the rolling hill area that I was in yes. was just, was gorgeous. And I can't remember the food I, I specifically tried. Oh, you know what I did try? I just remembered. I don't know if it's based there, but it just, this is where I first had it, it was a Papado's restaurant, which yep. was my first time there in Austin. And oh my gosh, I love Papado's, but I'm pretty sure they're probably not based there in Texas. We're based just... in Houston. Oh, my
1: no. goodness they are okay Yeah, they're based in Houston and they've got you know it's it's a big chain in Texas and they have the Papa do seafood they have papa steaks they have you know other seafood that's not Cajun seafood places as well as papacitos for tex-mex yeah they're all over the place.
0: Oh my goodness well, I was can't, go wrong, can't go wrong
1: at any of the Papas Papa restaurants.
0: Okay. Well, good to know the next time there I'm over in Texas. Well, although I know they have some across the country too in other states, but yeah. uh, I, I digress. Run
1: into them in airports too from time to
0: time. <laughs> okay. Perfect. So I'll be able to get them another time. So, all right. So jumping in, i I'll let the jump right in. Obviously you shared your, your background really quick and you and I kind of communicated with this before we started recording, but we typically start talking about the challenges that schools are facing and kind of what, what are those and what what is a way that they can combat those challenges? And you shared a really specific one that I would love to just kind of di- you know, digest a little bit from you, but sure, first like share kind of what, you, what you've seen on the inside of these schools that you've been consulting and working with. Well, one
1: of the things that we do as a group is to provide interim leadership for schools that are in, in the leadership transition. So right now I, I'm just starting my 10th interim head of school position at a school near near Houston. And we also do a lot of strategic and financial planning with schools and and i would say the thing that we run into the challenge that we run into most consistently in schools is their ability to provide access to to the school through you know competitive pricing as well as to use need-based financial aid um, as well as employee and also employee discounts to provide access and and to build you know some level some measure of socioeconomic diversity in in the schools and it's just very few schools or at least a lot of a good number of the schools that, that we have worked with have a hard time figuring this out hmm. and so if if you do it poorly you can end up running you know deficits and and almost not even know it because you're just handing handing out you know you're 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 handing out discounts to employees or you're overextending yourself in need based tuition because you don't have a good budgeting process or you could also end up not just not just not just with deficits but under-resourcing the whole enterprise and and all of the things that you know your mission depends on in terms of quality of staffing and your, your ability to compensate the right people, and over over time. So it's it's a thorny issue, and, and it is one that that we encounter in just about every school that we that that we
0: engage with. So, if a school is currently facing having this this problem, is there a way that they would know that? Like uh, they they could self analyze really easily to do that, or is it something they need to really bring in somebody from the outside to kind of call it out if it's something that they see?
1: It depends on the quality of their accounting. Usually, so it used to be common practice for schools not even to show discount employee discounts and maybe not even need based financial aid on their on their books uh, in in their regular financial reporting they just sort of said well you know that's just money we didn't collect so we're just going to account for the money that that we that we have that's less common than it used to be thankfully but for the schools that still are are not super accurate on accounting for that cost where it's where it will show up eventually is in cash flow shortages so you just start running out of money in the fiscal year earlier and earlier and earlier and, bef- and before you know it you know your your, your whole you know the, whole, the school's whole financial future is in, is is potentially in jeopardy and we've and we've encountered that with schools you know that have not been keeping careful track of the employee discounts especially it's a great perk, right? You know, you go a teacher's school, you're not going to be paid probably as much as you might in, in public schools. You don't have, you know, quite as good benefits, but your kids can go to school with you either for free or at a significant discount. And, and, you know, that's, that's a huge benefit, but if schools are not keeping track of, of the, the cost of that, then it's, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a, an uncontrolled expense and, and it's unaccounted for, and it'll come back to bite you.
0: And what's the solution for this? Is it a simple like, oh, we just need to raise our tuition or we need to make sure our accountant knows that that we make sure we know what we're doing here with the the money side of things? Is there a simple solution? Maybe that's the easier question.
1: Well, I mean, you know, the technical solution is, you know, the second thing, the latter, you know, making sure that you have a really solid, competent accounting office that understands basic independent school economics and and is is disciplined in that accounting and in in the the quality of, of reporting. The the more complicated solution is the is just figuring out how to balance your gross tuition to your net tuition and making sure that The amount of of revenue per pupil is sufficient to provide all the things that you're promising in your mission and your vision and in you know on your website in your admissions process all all of that so that that's where it gets more more complicated and so there's there's no you know one size fits all solution but there are some basic practices that we've seen schools utilize in order to bring those bring those those elements more into balance and to have a, a better sense of control Over those things. If if you back up a little bit, one of the one of the reasons that this is difficult for schools is because they often start, especially younger schools, they often or 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 parochial schools too, they often start with with two conflicting premises. That number one, they want their price point to be at an affordable level, where kind of a typical maybe middle income family with one one and a half you know household incomes you know can afford you know tuition for maybe two or three two or three children they also want at the same time socioeconomic diversity and and what schools find out over time is that you can't really have both hmm. that you you might have a, a price point that seems affordable for a typical family but what does that really mean because affordability is a relative, relative thing. So there are families who, you know, let's say your your, your tuition is ten thousand dollars. There are families maybe in your school who could afford twenty thousand dollars, and there are families in your school potentially who can't afford five hundred dollars a year. So the, the that, that 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 quest for affordability is 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 it's a relative. It's a relative thing. You also run into there the the inevitability of of tuition having to increase. And this is partly or mostly because 60 to 80% of costs of an independent school are in people, right? We're paying, we're paying teachers, we're paying staff. And and the longer they're with us, the more expensive they become. Now if even if you're just providing you know cost of living increases year after year, for the last 20 years, that would have been about 3% a year, right? But in the last two years, it might be five, seven, nine percent a year, depending on you know which which rate of inflation you're you're attaching to, and so the only thing that can happen is for that to drive tuition up, at you know at, at a rate that you, you know is, is almost inevitable. So you're starting those starting premises are, are are really important, and then the and then the second aspect of that is. That, that schools have a hard time coming to terms with is that, and it's a basic principle that I learned from Bruce Lockerbie years and years ago is that not everyone should receive a discount just because they say they can't afford it, or because maybe just because they, they are employed. And our basic kind of hardline premise is you never give a discount to someone who doesn't need it, whether they work for you or not. And so, and so just sort of indiscriminately handing discounts or aid to families who could afford full tuition also undermines but you know a, a lot of our business models are based on are based on you know that premise that you come to work for us and and you know this is part of your compensation and so we help schools to kind of wean themselves off of that expectation usually over time because it is baked in and, and it's part of the deal, right? It's part of the, the commitment that, that you made to your, to your employees. But freeing up more of that revenue over time so that you have actually more revenue to or, or, or more funds to provide to need-based, Family, fam, families who qualify for need based on their household incomes, their adjusted gross income on their, on their, on their tax forms, whatever, usually by, determined by a third, a third party. And that's where you get your socioeconomic diversity right it's also important to keep in mind that when we say socioeconomic diversity typically what we're thinking is middle to lower income families but that's not the full definition right socioeconomic diversity also should include higher income families that's real diversity and so if we're if we are you know artificially underpricing and a family looks at our a family that family who can afford twenty thousand dollars looks at our ten thousand dollar price point, and 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 compares this to the fifteen thousand dollar price point, with absent other information or absent some other insight in, into the school, their immediate conclusion might be, well, how can they be a fifteen thousand dollar quality school? What they're promising f- for five thousand dollars less, right? Mm-hmm. And so, higher price point is often what you need in order to get full socioeconomic diversity across that whole spectrum. And that's the counterintuitive, that's the counterintuitive element of independent school economics that kind of
0: blows people's minds when you start talking about it. So I've heard of this, and I don't know if this is specifically what you're kind of getting into with this one, but the schools that there's an, and there's a specific term, there's a name for it, but like where you, you charge, let's say $25,000 and then 95% of your, your families get financial aid? Because you got to come in, you go to this high, high point. And so somebody who's like, like you're mentioning, oh, I can pay that. But then somebody who maybe can pay 15 and then somebody can pay 10 and you like have this sliding scale based on income levels. Is that kind of what you're getting into? Because I know schools do something similar to that. Is that what you're talking about?
1: That's sort of a new way to label tuition assistance. I mean, it, it, in most schools, it works the same way as a traditional approach, which is everybody, you know, applies to facts or fast or tads or whoever whoever it is whatever the third party is and then if they're you call it a sliding scale you call it index tuition you call it whatever you, whatever you call it it still gets sort of doled out in this whether in in the same way based on how you know how families qualify what we typically find in a healthy school is that a a school with a healthy aid program and a, and, a, and a good balanced net revenue, uh, net tuition revenue system is that about 25 to 30% of the families will be on some form of financial aid. It might be from 90% all the way down to maybe 10 or 15%, right? And and the, um, the percentage of the, of the budget that is going to tuition assistance is going to, and this is just a coincidence that we keep running into. We can't, I can't prove this out empirically, but it, it just it keeps popping up over you know as many years as as, as we've been doing this. It, the percentage of budget that's going to tuition assistance is probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of your highest tuition. So if your highest tuition, say, is fifteen thousand dollars, you're going to typically find about thirteen to fifteen percent of your budget in order to support that that 25 to 30% socioeconomic, you know, lower lower middle to lower income socioeconomic diversity is gonna is going to consistently over time need to be allocated. And so that's what we try to help schools do when we're doing financial modeling with them is to get patterns established so that they're not overspending on tuition assistance, but they're not underspending because they're and and now they're able to use need-based tuition assistance especially as a way to either grow enrollment or to keep enrollment or to stabilize enrollment and to maintain that sense of diversity within the community
0: dang okay all right this this is making more sense to me now because i could see that i mean i would assume every school really should have somebody come in and at least assess it at least to know if they're in line Am, am i right in saying that everyone should probably have like at least an assessment done for that
1: yeah, it can help, especially if you if you're if you if you're overly dependent in your compensation model on employee discounts for starters, and you can kind of see that in terms of the percentage of, of your overall families who are receiving some amount of aid, how many of them are employees, and how many of them are qualifying based on their employment or just are qualifying based on based on need. And and so just getting a sense of that. For someone you know who does this a lot to come in and take a look at it and tell you whether you're in or out of balance can can be really helpful.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, I think that's definitely a challenge as we as we mentioned. Any other challenges that you'd mention in this section before I jump into the other section to talk about? Oh man, there are
1: so many challenges. <laughs> I, I, Mitchell, I, I say this all the time, and because I, I get to present on this and I teach a couple of classes on this too in in graduate programs, I say this over and over again school is a bad business if if you're going to go into business and you're, you you want to do something that is scalable and and easy to make make it profitable don't do school do 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 do, so, do something else it's just it's a bad i mean it's noble it's i mean it's necessary we have to have it but from a from a business model standpoint it 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 it's just its own animal and and it it's, it's hard to make it good.
0: And that's why there's people like yourself, myself, other partners I have, we we're all about helping the schools because it's not an easy ordeal what they're doing, but I commend them. It's, I respect them because it's it's a lot they got on their plate for sure. And I hopefully this podcast, they can take a couple of different things from each episode they are like, okay, let me make it better using this resource or an idea maybe they never even thought of before because I feel like it's also one of those things. This goes into like, other facets of our life, but you're doing one thing and you think it's going great. And maybe it is going great in our, in our standard, but somebody comes in and goes, well, have you thought about this? Or did you ever think about this? Kind of like what you're talking about where somebody goes, oh my gosh, I, I actually never, no, I never did think about that. And then it, boom, now you're even better because you, there's just one thing you were just had a blind spot. You didn't see yeah. it. Not that anything was going wrong, but it's like, now you're going to be even better. And I kind of see that as just one of those areas. Like every school should have somebody on the outside come in, whether it's, you know, my team going in and let's, let's look at how your marketing's doing. Let's look at how your enrollment process is going. And somebody like yourself coming in and talking about what you're mentioning, like having those outside people come in and give an actual good feedback because we just care. We want to help these schools. is so, so incredibly valuable. And so as we're talking about the, the challenges, I would love to, you know, whew, 15 minutes of that. Let's talk about what's going great. Let's talk about what's like going awesome. Have you got any cool, quick, like a, like a win story of schools you've been working with, or just something that you were like a, like a, like to applaud, I guess, a school that you're like, man, the school's doing some really amazing things and here's what they're doing.
1: Well, I mean, we love schools. I mean, this is one of the, the only reason we do this is, is because we love schools. The other reason is I don't know anything about anything else. <laughs> 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 this, is what I, this is what I've been doing since 1991. So, but, but we, we love schools. And, you know, the, if, if you back up about 15 years, it was a really scary time for schools. So coming off of, or you know, on the tail end of the great great recession, there were schools shutting down all over the place. You know, there were large Christian school associations that, in the space of just like five years, lost twenty percent of their schools. Hmm. And and so it, it was it was a really really frightening moment. Not just for schools, of course, it was for everybody. But you know, this is the world that I live that I live in, and. I think one of the cool things that we've seen and, and ironically covid actually I think in helped this has helped this more than more than not is that the number of private schools since that calamity back in 2009 10 11 is expanding and the number of kids in private schools is growing and while there were some schools who weren't Already well prepared, or, or weren't weren't fiscally or culturally stable prior to COVID, that were detrimentally impacted or did were forced to close. Most of the schools that we interact with actually benefited, both in terms of enrollment, in terms of strength of of community. Certainly, you know their technology capacity capabilities were, you know, you know super super improved. And, and so as hard as that was, and even sometimes as acrimonious as it was in, in the schools that we were working with, because there were so many things to disagree about, right? Coming out of that, I think, I think most of the schools that we're working with have come out stronger and they've come out with, with stronger enrollment. They've come out with stronger sense of commitment from parents and, and families and even, and even teachers. We haven't seen the mass exodus of teachers from education in private schools like we did like we have in public school. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think we just did it better. And and you know that it, it, it wasn't just the technology. It really wasn't just, you know, the fact that we were more agile, you know, you know, private schools tended to get back in in in-person in learning quicker than a lot of a lot of public schools. I, I think a lot of it had to do with strength of community. And, and the bonds that people already had to one another. And, and when you're a part of an independent school or parochial school community, if that school's doing it right, it, it's not a transactional relationship that you have with that school. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a commitment to mission. It's a commitment to one another. And, and I think if anything that we've learned coming out of, of COVID, is that strength of community matters more than anything else, and, and and the continuity and authenticity of culture, in a school that that form that forms that community. I just think, you know, you, we we knew it before, but I think it was easy to take for granted, and and then you you go through that you go through that you know fire, and you come out on the other side, and you're like, oh wow, look what we have here. And I think I think that's that's the most exciting thing that I've been seeing. We've been seeing over the last you know couple three years.
0: And I would agree with that. I think about my bringing to the church level, just the church community we have around us. Like it's there's a culture there, and there's a, a sense of family. And I, I know that that would also carry over to schools, specifically obviously you know, Christian schools that would have that. And that's. You, that's so incredibly valuable. I mean, people want to be a part of a family. They want to be a part of a community. And so it's giving them, it's giving them access to that. And so I I hadn't heard that stat or that piece before about the, the mass exodus has not been happening in the private sector as much as the public sector. That makes sense, but I actually hadn't heard somebody say that before. And you can, I, there's a lot of reasons I'm sure we could pull out for why, like you just mentioned, you know, but there's that sense of also a higher calling of like, the, the vision, the mission of what that school is specifically trying to be before and what they're fighting for. And those teachers and everybody's like, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of helping those students that are a part of that. Is there, is that, am well, I-, I,
1: think I think we, I think we care for our people better. I mean, you know, bureaucracies are designed to do a certain thing. My wife is a retired, just recently retired public school teacher. And, and th- if you were to ask her how well cared for she felt, she felt in her twenty-seven year career, she would probably score it on a you know scale of four to you know four to six out of ten, and mm-hmm. and I and I think it's it's easy to it's easy to reduce care to compensation, but what we actually do is in school in in private schools and especially faith-based schools, what we do that isn't done elsewhere as soul care and 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 you know when you're being thought of as more important than just what you produce in the classroom every day and and i think we had just had had, had this really stark opportunity to demonstrate that that we you know
0: hadn't had in the same acute fashion before dang well, I love that things are going good because I, I do see a lot of, you know, people, I know doom and gloom. A lot of times people talk about, but I see a lot of good things happening in education right now, and I'm really excited for the future, both in, both in the public sector, as well as the private sector. I mean, I'm more excited about things that are happening in the, like the Christian school space, cause I've heard a lot of things from the guests we've had on, but I know there's some cool stuff happening in the, the public sector. Not, not everything I agree with on some, some of those things, but I, I am excited for where things are, where things are going. And I know there's also a huge push for the homeschool community and hearing that the big push for that i know my wife and i that's what we're going to be doing with with our son and like i was homeschooled my whole life and it's exciting to hear about the push that homeschooling is having i feel like you got this this catapult when COVID happened of like people going well this isn't too bad so now there's a huge piece of that i don't know there's just a lot of excitement there's a lot of moving pieces you got school choice stuff that's happening across the country that's exciting that's going on so yeah, we could talk about challenges forever. We could talk about things that are going good. I feel like it is forever as well, but any, any, I guess, final thoughts on the, on the things that are going really good piece before I ask you my final question.
1: Well, I mean, I just, it's just exciting, you know, ha- having traversed, you know, the, the last 15, 16 years in, in my, in my role as, as, a consultant and having been in that really dark place in 2009, 10 to be here is such an unexpected blessing and, and, and joy, because recession or whatever the next thing is, right? You know, I, I think I think we're 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 proving out in a in a in a different way why independent and parochial schools are necessary in our culture and
0: and and to society. Hmm. I agree. I agree. Well, finish me off with this, man. I want a final quote from you uh, or a piece of advice. That you would give to the school leaders that are listening. What, what's that? What's that piece that Chuck wants to share? Oh man,
1: this might sound trite, but I just say put your whole self into it, and and you know look at your school. Yes, it's a business. Yes, it's sort of a family business, <laughs> but you, you you can't do it halfsies. You got to put your whole your whole self in. And 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 the the reciprocal benefit of that, especially to employees, and maybe to board members as well, the reciprocal benefit to, of, of that to you is that you're just gonna you're gonna be blessed in tremendously unexpected ways, and and you know look back or look forward in your service and, and just feel entirely fulfilled.
0: I love it. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, Chuck, what's the best way they can get in touch with you?
1: BetterSchoolsLLC.com.
0: All right. Perfect. Well, Chuck, appreciate all your uh, your time being on the podcast today. And since you've been doing this since 91, as you mentioned. So I appreciate all those years pouring in to the students, the schools, and all the things in education that you've been doing. And hope you still got another good 20, 30 years left in you. OK, we got to keep, keep it, we got a lot of work to do ahead of us. All That's right. So, but, yeah. but thank you so much for your time today, Chuck. I appreciate it. All right, Mitchell. Well, another huge shout out and a thank you to Chuck for taking time and being on the podcast today. I love the things he shared this part in the beginning, talking about the finances of a school and how I know schools can give away maybe too many discounts and it ends up hurting their school and just having somebody to come in on the outside and to look at what your school is doing. That was just super good feedback right there. So hopefully those that are listening, you guys can take some of that to heart and maybe it is hiring somebody like Chuck or somebody else to come in and be an outside person, like outside looking in to give you guys some feedback on how your school's operating and what you guys maybe need to improve on. Obviously that's kind of what we do on the marketing side of things for, for the, my company, Slater Strategies, where we come in and we look at the marketing side of things like what's working, what's not, is there room for improvement in the enrollment process? We just want to you know tighten things up and make sure people aren't falling through the cracks. And it's kind of what you know Chuck is talking about on, on that side, when it comes to looking at the school and helping out with the uh, financial part of it and seeing where where maybe things to be improved or tightened up on that side. So I love that feedback. And obviously guys, this is what the podcast is for. It's for learning from others, seeing what they're doing, getting feedback from them that you guys can take back to your school to make your school better than it is right now. So I encourage you to keep tuning in. I'm going to continue to have new guests, new heads of school, new people in education, people who help schools. We're going to have all of it just so you guys can have more and more people Pouring into you and making you better. We have a private Facebook group. You guys have probably heard this before, so make sure you go join that. School Success Makers on Facebook. That's School Success Makers on Facebook. I'm personally in there, and I'd love to see you in there as well. We also have a great resource in our website, SchoolSuccessMakers.com. So go check that out. We are launching a newsletter later this fall called the School Success Report. We'd love you to sign up to start receiving those. The team is already working hard to getting those prepped and prepared. So. We'd love you guys to sign up for that. So you're getting those emails when they start this fall and obviously the school years, it's coming up, coming up quick guys. So get ready for that. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas, please reach out to us on our website. Let us know if there's anything that we can do better or maybe a specific guest that you guys would like to see on the podcast as well. And I'll do another quick shout out too for our sponsors, America's Christian Credit Union. You guys heard the little spiel, but if you want to get connected with them, please check them out online, americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. That's americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. And we will be back here next week with another amazing guest as usual on the school success podcast. We'll see you then.